Ambassador for First Nations People is a new government role attached to the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Justin Muhammad is the very first ambassador, a position he started in April. Justin is a Gurengarang man from Bundaberg, Queensland. He started in junior roles in Aboriginal community health and worked his way up into management and leadership positions. Justin now leads the Office of First Nations Engagement within DFAT. The idea is to work with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to progress Indigenous trade, investment and rights globally. This is the first time Australia has had direct Indigenous representation in international engagement at this kind of level. Justin Muhammad, welcome to Speaking Out. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Now, before we dive into your new role and the other work that you've done, I wondered if you could sort of set the scene for us a little bit and tell us where you grew up and what shaped your worldview, especially your interest in uh, Indigenous affairs and social justice. Yeah, well, I was a born and bred um, Queenslander. I'm Grang Grang um, from Bundaberg um, in Queensland and spent most of my growing up life going to school in the Bundaberg region um, around family and friends and um, even playing sport and um, was mainly with, you know, my cousins and, and close friends of the community. So in a sense, a sheltered life, uh, a sheltered life in a very community orientated and family orientated um, in a country town. As most teenagers do, you kind of just go through thinking the world just comes, whatever comes in front of you, it just happens and not not, not a lot of thought um, going into it. But at the age of 19, I'm Done a big. I made a big move, and I moved down to um, Shepparton um, on Yorta Yorta Country in Victoria. My mum and dad were working down there, and my dad was working picking fruit, etc. So I went down there for a relevantly short time. First time out that far away from Queensland, away from home, and um, I ended up staying there for like twenty years. So my my career in Aboriginal affairs started um, from a very much my traditional owner area, Grand Grang, and and the politics. I was fairly young, so I kind of followed the lead and listened to tape, you know, kitchen table conversations, but not really involved as such because I was, you know, a teenager. But when I went to Victoria, I started learning the art and and the strategy around Aboriginal affairs through the Victorian Aboriginal communities, and um, as we know, have been in this space for a long, long time and have really established some major achievements across um, centuries now when dealing with this western westernized side of government so um being there was there for like 20 years working for an organization called rumble aboriginal cooperative community control very much in, in that side of you know the, the advocacy space from community into government and over the course of time was able to represent regionally and then state and then nationally and it, my, my career just kind of flowed from one step to another with a really social the social justice and human rights element was really embedded from my early years but then was even enhanced when I went down to Victoria just around self-determination around rights and um, international rights but also uh, how our First Nations people here in Australia weren't receiving the right health care or the adequate education and a whole range of these things in the 80s, 90s and 2000s. So that was, in a nutshell, that's that's who I am and um, this has led me all the way to the role that I have now. 
And just before we get to that role, I just wondered if you could reflect. I mean, you you have um, consistently worked on Indigenous policy at the front line, but you've worked within community-controlled organisations and you've worked within government positions, uh, statutory authorities, etc. So I just wonder from your perspective, how do you reflect on the challenges of being a First Nations person trying to affect change through uh, working within the system in that way? Yeah, look, in a short word, it's, it is difficult. It's not easy. Um, I'd never say that it has been easy. You know, a lot of people talk about these two worlds that we live in and it, and it's so true. You know, what, what you, when you go into a workplace and then when you come home, it's, it's two different sort of cultures and very different ways of doing business and doing life. Um, so it is difficult. It's difficult in the sense that I've found over my career, always trying to Put to the front of a meeting or to a, a government that how important First Nations or Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander knowledges and expertise are and how they are the answer or they are a key part of changing the status quo that we're stuck with um, or that we're, we're in. So that's kind of always that sort of getting is picking yourself up to say, here we go again. The changes of government when there's, you know, you, you find, um, which is out of anyone's hands, but, you know, like you kind of start building a good relationship with the minister or with a senior person in office or the government of the day, and then there's an election change or a ministerial change or um, changes to personnel. And th- those things, as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we're, we're very connected around relationships. So learning to adjust with that is um, has been quite a, you know, I'd say difficult, but it's been something which you you kind of have to contend with along along the journey. Fortunately, my, my first 20, 27 years um, of working, 26 years of working, was from the community control basis. So kind of being from the community side, advocating to government and then getting invited to maybe be on advisory panels or take some sort of um, on reference groups, etc. But always going back to community and and presenting what we think as community is the the real need for change or the direction that needs to take place. So that was, in some ways, it, it was, you know, it was always kind of that battle and you're picking yourself up to go in to really advocate strongly. And more recently is in the last seven odd years, I've had a couple of roles, one as a commissioner for children and young people in Victoria and as a deputy secretary of justice in Victoria. And now this role as the ambassador for First Nations people for the, the Commonwealth government. That presents new opportunities, but also new challenges, which you're inside the the engine, inside the tent, and working through that and, um, you know, seeing probably firsthand why certain things don't get um, progressed as quickly as we'd like for, as, as community, but also seeing the opportunities that lay there, which, you know, you can say, well, gee, this could be a really good opportunity to have some influence to be able to change um, a mechanism which can work better for First Nations people. I did kind of want to give a bit of that background of your extensive work, which will give insight into why you were appointed into this role. So you've been in the role of Ambassador for First Nations People for several months now. Can you tell us what it entails? Because it's a new position and how it's all going. It is a, it's an inaugural ambassador for First Nations people for Australia, so the very first, but also the first in the world. There's no other government with an ambassador for First Nations people. So it provides a lot of opportunity to do um, something very new, but 
on the other side of it, there's no real template or blueprint from other countries or other types of you know, positions like this that you can kind of pick up and go, okay, well, you know, maybe we should implement some of this stuff because this is what this, this ambassador in this country did um, that had a similar sort of role. So having that sort of greenfield site um, with some key sort of direct directions, but trying to establish what comes first and how we, what's the priority now and what I need to focus my time in and then what is the next plan and building really an office and um, this role as ambassador to embed it. So the very importantly, the ambassadors that come after me and governments that, you know, come after this government, government will see this role in this office as a very integral part of our foreign policy and our foreign affairs. So the role was announced. I came in and I had to kind of go back Larissa, on what, what I knew best. And what I knew best is that the best way to advocate or project or to be able to speak about issues is to talk to the people that have got, that are living in those conditions or are, are, are in the innovation part of that, in the grassroots or in the coalface of dealing with and working through solutions. So we made a very strong commitment to try to do as many domestic consultations and dialogues with a whole range of different Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, groups, organisations, um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people working for government, traditional owner groups, a whole range of business owners. Um, and we've been on that journey for the last four months and Within the next three months, uh, three weeks, I should say, we'll, we would have have gone to every state and territory and spoken to many people. But obviously, we know it's you know, states and territories are very large. But to keep that dialogue happening, and then to follow that is then how do we represent that in an international space on very key issues of like climate, international trade, human rights, gender, health and justice in those international forums and be able to present and um, articulate how Australia is working in these spaces, but what we can offer to the rest of the world. And that's um, some of the early parts of the, the role. Um, I've been overseas three times in the four months that I've been in this position have done a number of domestic consultations, trying to build an office at the same time. So we're we're kind of doing all this. This is all brand new. So working out what are the priorities, what's urgent and what's important and making sure that balance is right between what we need to do that's urgent and what we need to be a part of that is important. And that's what we're working through at the moment as we go through and getting a lot of guidance from people who've been thinking about these individual or particular areas for many, many years and decades, you know, getting into speaking with them, but as well as connecting with a lot of the First Nations groups that we have across Australia of what they're doing in these key areas around what I mentioned, trade and climate and human rights, etc. I was really interested in that part of the work. I mean, it sounds like there's so much to do. You're setting up something new. You've got to create a vision for something that's never been done before. And then, of course, it's uh, not a small country to, to traverse to do a consultation. In that work of going into the communities to ask them about this particular space, what are some of the things that you're hearing on the ground from people in terms of their expectations? Because this would be the first link really to grassroots communities and the international space. Well, it's a first for government. We know that there's been plenty of many people in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that have hopped on planes and have gone overseas to advocate 
for the rights and to tell the world where we are in this country, but also contribute greatly into building um, international rights for Indigenous peoples globally. But for the Australian government, this is the first for the Australian government to have a position of, of this calibre and appointed into this role. So, And the other part, of, which is quite interesting in this role, is that um, th- this role was appointed by the Foreign Affairs Minister, Penny Wong, and that's ultimately who I'm answerable to. Again, I'm not too sure if there has been a position that of this level for First Nations people that has been appointed by a Minister of Foreign Affairs in the past. So this is it's a new space, if we can definitely say that. So the community have really received this role, I, I find, really well. They, they, they see the opportunities, they're excited about it and potentially what can what we can do with this role. And the, the conversation pieces that I've had, obviously, when you speak to the mob, there's there's the things that aren't working, but once we work through those and walk through those, those and allow the, for the time for that to be spoken about, when we talk about what is working and some of the innovations that's on the ground and what's important to them, the conversation shifts the dial and becomes another step of potentially the, you know, what, what we're doing in, in a community that the ambassador or the rest of the, the nation and globally would be interested in. And they de- in globally, people want to know more about our First Nations people and the innovation and knowledges that we have. So the key areas which always that are coming up regularly, one is the appetite to tackle climate change and the things that are taking place to address climate change and work with those um, issues that confront us. But the op- options that or the opportunities we have to increase our trade um, routes around the uh, around the world um, to connect traditional trade routes, but also to look at new trade routes and and items and and expertise that we as First Nations people here have in Australia that we can take to other parts of the world. And collectively, um, the other part which I've really heard a lot about is that um, First Nations people in their communities want to be part of the challenges that we're facing as a nation, and um, not kind of be sidelined, but people come in and say, we, we've got something to offer and we, we can actually contribute to, you know, Australia and, and what we do as a nation collectively on these very, you know, you know these challenges that we have um, that have faced us, not only our country, but other countries around the world. They're kind of the key things, but can I probably finish off on this part? It's very diverse and I don't think we should be, you know, we that shouldn't surprise anyone, but, you know, what's important for the Torres Strait, the communities that live up in the Torres Strait may be different to and is different to what's you know important to the you know the Victorian community or the vice versa to what um, is happening in Darwin or in Perth to the Kimberley and this role which I'm trying to bring in that the diversity we have as First Nations peoples let's embrace that and let's try to build that across our foreign affairs and and our policies that we have not try to congest it and make it into one but say well we have diversity and there might be multiple priorities that our First Nations people are telling us and it's really our job is how do we build that into our foreign affairs areas. Yes, it strikes me just listening to you that you are building this new space in foreign affairs that we haven't been able to work in at this level before. But just listening to you speak and some of your reflections, I mean, you note that there's a long history of trade between some of our nations and other international groups that's gone on before 1788. And uh, in reflecting on the work that you've done in First Nations communities around the country, you're very aware of a very different set of protocols in terms of how you operate culturally. And so I guess what struck me is that you are bringing a lot of knowledge 
about how First Nations people have operated in the space of trade and diplomacy. Are you hoping that some of that might actually change the way Australia thinks about foreign affairs? So as well as you entering this space that's sort of a new space for us as First Nations people, are you hoping you might be able to have some influence with um, the knowledges from our own community? Well, I'm more than hoping. Um, I wouldn't have taken this role on if I thought that wasn't going to be not only the opportunity, but the, um, I mean, very much a result that we can deliver on. Um, Our country, as we know, and there's a lot of research, and as research gets better and the instruments that researchers use get better, the stories that we've been brought up with and that we've been told for, you know, for thousands of years that have come through family lines and communities um, are now being accredited and now being, you know, evidence-based and evidence-proven that those connections have been across these waterways um, for, you know, hundreds, thousands of years. And I was just up in Gama recently and there was a really strong tribute and the involvement of the Macassan people and the story of how their link with the Yongle people dates back hundreds of years ago, the influences of each other's cultures in that and how they've you know, how they have got this strong connection and um, many countries that I've go to and I know there's storylines right across this this continent of these connections that we've had from countries from well before 1788 that have come to this this land have engaged with our indigenous people and have gone back to their countries and have spoken about it and now it's been recorded and has been acknowledged so I'm very much hoping but wanting to deliver that our First Nations international diplomacy and international trade, which has happened for hundreds and thousands of years, that they are now, they are to be embedded as part of how we go about our international diplomacy and how we engage with other countries. And I think other countries are wanting to to see that as well. And I said this only earlier this morning, but Australia with its international diplomacy and its international trade have, have done it in a very westernised concept and the structures around that. Um, This role in itself is to look at those structures, look at those processes and say how, if we want our First Nations expertise and our experiences and our value to our international diplomacy and bringing this back to where we have had strong diplomacy from this country and strong trade routes, that we, um, we start looking and having our First Nations people right front and centre, not only in the, both in the written policies, but also in our presentation and our um, and our meetings that we have. And speaking globally to many countries, not just the our brothers and sisters that we've kind of gone to regularly, like New Zealand and Canada and uh, the US, etc., but Many countries that have come and spoken to me and when I've gone overseas and they've come to Australia, they want to reconnect to this, um, to our First Nations people. They're in knowledge in our First Nations people as the, the, the knowledge holders of how to deal with key issues around climate, how to renew and, and how to build that strong, vibrant community and survive over the centuries which, which are in front of us. And that's been very much part of the dialogue and wanting to make sure that is a key part of what we do in Australia and going forward with these countries as we build these stronger relationships, maintain the relationships we have, build new relationships, but build it with this First Nations, you know, the the embedded in First Nations history and both history, but also the contemporary part of what we can offer on our global exchanges. 
It sounds like a very exciting time. I mean, I know there's a lot to do and there's a lot to cover and you're very ambitious for the position in the best possible way, but it's uh, impossible to speak with you without feeling the energy and enthusiasm you're bringing to the role. Where do you get that from? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I have a little bit of a, a nervous laugh. I'm, I'm always being fairly optimistic um, about what we can achieve. Uh, like many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people also you, you do have your days when you go, well, people just don't get it or why can't people just embrace this, this rich culture that we have and expertise that we have? But, you know, it is pleasing to have a foreign affairs minister who has embraced, is embracing this, is wanting this this position to to be something different from what we've had before as far as how ambassadors have worked before, but bringing First Nations to the forefront, that's exciting. But the the fundamental um, part of this is that, um, like all of us, our, our families, our community, our elders, the scene, the optimism when I go around and speak with people give me this energy because they, they see there is a real opportunity to change and to have an in, input into an area which we haven't been strategically placed previously, but be able to gather all that work that has been done from many of those, our leaders and advocates over many decades, to bring that now into the Australian foreign policy policy area is something that I'm really excited about and having my community and my family to support me along that journey is um, is what keeps the energy levels up and when they are down and need to be recharged, that's who I go to. Well, it's an exciting new role. You're a fantastic appointment into it. It's going to be wonderful to see what you make of the opportunities and hopefully you'll come back and talk to us as you continue with the role. That's definitely the case. I want to go back to the communities that I've, I've spoken to, the conferences that I've spoken to, which is really explaining what I'm going to do or what this role is set up to hopefully achieve. But hope in time to come, to come back and say, yeah, we have achieved that or now this is the process going forward um, is something I'm looking forward to and will keep me, as we all know, um, at the moment there is a lot of, lot of energy and a lot of good energy and aspirations of what this role can do and what the Australian government can do in this space. So we can't just sit and just leave it at that. We've now got to deliver and that's the next part of this journey is making sure we have the right tools and the right mechanisms to deliver the results that are going to be the best interest for our First Nations people of Australia. Ambassador Mohammed, thank you so much for spending some time with us on Speaking Out. Thank you. Always a pleasure. 